Okay, so finishing up, finishing up the the sermon series on two verses um, that that we started about three weeks ago. We've looked at purity. We talked about how the church dealt with sin, or or rather, God through His Holy Spirit dealt with sin in the church with Sapphire and Ananias, and then that led to those who were outside the the fellowship of believers looking at the rest of the believers and saying. We're hands off on this one. We don't want any part of that because because we're not ready for it. We don't. I mean, we we think it's a good thing. We admire these people. They're doing great things. But you know what? We see that if we're going to attach ourselves to that, it's going to it's going to cost us something. There's a cost to following Jesus, and we're not sure. You know, we're not sure if we're ready for that. And so they dared not join them. But we see that through the works of the apostles, the preaching of the word of God, the purity of the church. Many were added to their numbers. So it wasn't that, that everybody was looking at it and saying, we don't want any part of that. It's just that, that, that there was a great distinction because the church dealt with sin that not just everybody ran to join with a flippant attitude that this isn't a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal. When you joined the church, and still today, when you join the church, you're, you're essentially coming into covenant relationship with the rest of the believers and God. And saying that I will behave a certain way. I will believe certain things. I will conduct my life in a glorifying way to God that will move the church forward. Okay? And then we talked about power last week. We talked about how the church doesn't have this mission to fulfill on its own in its own power that Jesus said straight from the mouth of Christ that you will receive power. I've given you this mission to be my witnesses all over the world. That's our job. I mean, the church sometimes, and I'm not, I'm not here to bash the church. That's not what this is about. But the church sometimes gets distracted. We, we kind of start putting our money on things that don't matter. We start spending our time on things that don't matter. And whenever we deviate far enough away from what Jesus told us to do, we cease being the church that Jesus has called us to be. He said, your job, church, is to go and be my witnesses. He said, your job is to go and make disciples. And that means that we meet people's needs. That means that we share the gospel with our mouths and with our actions. It means that we teach people how to follow Jesus. But first, we have to know how to follow Jesus ourselves. It means that that we live lives of purity and we confess sin and we we deal with sin and we forgive those and we're great. We are all of those things. But he said, you don't do that on your own power. You can't keep up on your own power. You won't be able to sustain the type of life that I've called you to as a follower of Jesus. You need help. And so he said, I'm not just giving you this mission of going out into the, the entire world and, and, make, and being my witnesses and making disciples because that's hard work. There's going to be some really difficult things in the way of doing that. So in the process of that, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you the power needed through the Holy Spirit. So we talked about that last week. And now I want to talk to you, why do we need the power? Why do we need it? This is why. If you go to 2 Timothy 3.12, this is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to depend on God. This is why we cannot accomplish the mission 
that Christ set for His church without the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, in fact, in fact, not it's very likely, or watch out this might happen. He says, in fact, in 2 Timothy 3.12, those who want to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Fact. You will be persecuted if you try to follow Jesus. Fact. If you try to follow Jesus on your own power, you will fail. Because when persecution comes, you will fold like a chair. You will run away. You will deny Christ. That's the difference in Peter. That's the difference in when we see Peter and he makes this grand confession that, that Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And, and the apostles said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're this, some say you're that. And he looks at him and says, but who do you, my, my twelve, my closest companions, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, before you get a big head, realize you didn't say that on your own power, that the Holy Spirit gave you those. And on that confession, on that, Peter small rock, I'm going to build my church on the larger rock of that confession that I am the Son of the living God, the Messiah. And so then just moments later in Scripture it seems like, we see Peter cursing God, denying Christ, and running away in shame. So what changed? How could Peter stand before the Sanhedrin? How could Peter be arrested and, 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 and beaten? How could Peter decide that, that now all of a sudden he's willing to not only die for the gospel but be crucified upside down for the gospel because he's not worthy to die in the same manner as his Savior? What changed? I'll tell you what changed. It was that in Acts 1.8, Jesus made a promise and it was that the Holy Spirit would come on Him in power so that He could fulfill the mission that Jesus had given Him. So that's why we see this man, Peter, and these other apostles who were cowering in fear after the crucifixion of Jesus. When Jesus was resurrected and appeared to them, that was encouraging, but Jesus knew it wasn't enough. That event in itself of them seeing Jesus wasn't enough. Because they had seen miracles. Granted, they'd never seen anyone raise themselves from the dead. They had seen Lazarus raised from the dead, but nothing like Jesus coming out of the grave. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. And why? Because the Bible promises us that when we decide, when we make a commitment to follow Jesus, all who try to live this godly life will face persecuted or per- persecution. John MacArthur says it like this. Satan reacts to the purity of God. We've talked a lot about purity in these in, in the last few weeks. When the church is dealing with sin, when the church is handling its own people in a biblical way, in a 1 Corinthians 5 way, in a Matthew 18 way. When, when, when the church is, is saying, you, you can't, we love you too much. And we love our Lord too much 
for you to come in and to say that you're a part of us and to attach yourself to the name of Christ in this fellowship and to go and live any which way you want as a lost person. Like, like we, can't, we can't allow that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to love you through this process of discipleship. We're going to walk along the process of you growing in your faith and understanding. And as God reveals to you the things that you need to lay your hands off of and repent of, we're going to love you through those things. But we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it. So whenever the the church is, is about purity and seeking after the purity of God, Satan reacts to it. He says, when the church is pure and powerful, it moves out into Satan's world where there will be a reaction. Guys, this is currently his turf. This is his home field at the moment. It won't be forever, but we have to understand that there is a struggle, there is a war, a battle going on, and we're not the home team. We've been sent here as ambassadors for Christ to make a difference in a lost, broken, (laughs) sinful world full of rebellious people. And whenever we are about purity and and moving in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, there will be opposition to that. You will lose friends. Your parents will say that you're, you're, you're being a little too fanatic and radical. Your, your boyfriends and girlfriends would all of a sudden say, you're not fun anymore. And you're going to have to make a choice that am I going to be a fan of Jesus, just some enthusiastic admirer as Kyle Eidelman calls us? Are you just going to be some fan who has a bumper sticker on your car and you wear your, your Christian t-shirts and you listen to Christian music when it doesn't cost you anything? Or are you going to be a follower of Jesus Christ? That whenever persecution comes, you can stand fast in the gospel because you don't stand on your own power, but you depend on the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. See, because it is not just the decision to believe in something, it is a commitment to follow a master. And to forfeit your to forfeit your your yourself, basically, as Jesus says, to die daily and pick up your cross and follow him. And when you do that, people are not going to like it. You will inconvenience people you love when you decide to follow the gospel and to follow Christ. We see this and can give testimony and encouragement to others that whenever we are living purely and and walking in the power of of the Holy Spirit, there will be persecution. Guys, listen to me. A large number of you are going to Guatemala. A large number of you, if you go into Project Acts with the right attitude, okay, this week of missions that we do in, in our own city, if you go with something other in mind than a three-on-three basketball tournament, or if you go with something other in mind than a volleyball tournament, or if you go to Project Acts with something other in mind than hooking up for the week, okay? if you go with saying, God, I'm your servant, I'm your willing vessel, would you use me in any way possible? Would you use me to be an encouragement to the other students that are there? Would you send me? 
Would you send me an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody? Would you send me someone who's, who's hurting and needs prayer? Would you send me and then give me the power and the boldness to do what it is that I need to do that week? If you go into that week, whether it's Guatemala or whether it's Iowa or whether it's, it's uh, going to McKee or the Navajos or, or whether it's Project X right here in our own backyard, if you do that, I'm telling you that you will experience opposition. You, you'll experience, you may experience depression and discouragement. You may experience a, a financial hardship. You may experience a, a, a car breaking down for no reason. You may experience a loss of a job. You may experience illness. You may experience many things that want to that wanna trap you up, trip you up, and keep you from, from going and doing what it is you've set your heart to do. And that's when you know you need to do it the most. Is when persecution comes, we count it joy because we know we're doing something right for the gospel. I don't stand alone in the pulpit of the gospel when I say, if you're living a life void of persecution, you are not living a life of following Jesus like you should. Now, we don't go out and look for it. It'll come. You just do what you're supposed to be doing and you don't have to worry about persecution because it will come to you. We don't go out and pick fights with the devil. He'll come pick one with you. You just do what you're supposed to do and He's going to try and respond to that because this is His home field. And He doesn't take kindly to people coming and trying to share the gospel in it. And so whenever Satan comes and you experience those trials, your finances will get tight, your health may suffer, friends may question your motives, and you may, you may even doubt yourself, but you need to call a spade a spade. You need to call it and name it for what it is. And you need to rejoice that your commitment to follow Christ has warranted such an attack from the enemy. When you are following Jesus, and you are persecuted... And you overcome and Christ's power comes through for you and you can see the fruit and you can see the, the reward and you can see the outcome. It is so good to be able to stand there in that moment and say, thank you Jesus for the victory. Thank you Jesus for the win. Um, you guys know I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan. And, and here's, a, here's a common thing yeah, what, what, yeah, really? Yeah, you guys know that. Um, I put it on my resume when I sent it here, um, just so that you guys knew what you were getting into. But um, when Kentucky wins, or when Kentucky's playing, I get excited, okay? And, and I catch myself sometimes, I try not to do this because of this reason, okay, I'll tell you why. But when Kentucky wins, like they won today, Okay, they beat Florida, all right, yeah, at Florida, which is good. I have to fight the tendency to say, we won. We beat Florida. And when we win a national championship this year, I'll have to fight the, the urge or, the, or the, the impulse to say, we won the championship. We won. Who won? I wasn't on the, the court. I'm not even on the bench. More than likely, I won't even be in the stadium. The reality of it is, I'm a fan of Kentucky basketball. I am not a Kentucky basketball player. I can admire it. 
I can, I can, I can really like it. I can talk about it. I can, I can tell you that Anthony Davis had five blocks today. Okay. I can tell you that at the half, Terrence Jones was the, the leading scorer with 14 points. I can tell you that John Calipari is a good coach. I can, I can tell you some things that I've heard from others that I just won't, won't choose to believe about, about him. But, but, but I'm, I can tell you a lot of things about, especially being close to Memphis. I know. You guys need to heal and get over it and move on. But I know a lot about Kentucky basketball. I can take you back to, as far as I can remember, is the Rick Pitino days. Okay, I can tell you a lot about those days. I can tell you about games that I won. Uh, not I won, but I saw. I can tell you about Leitner and why we don't like him. But the reality of it is I've never set foot on a Kentucky basketball team or, or, or on a court. And I, I haven't dedicated my life to, to learning the game like those players have. I haven't dedicated my body to the physical, um, strenuous regimen of practice and conditioning and diet that they're required to do. I have not committed my life to that. So for me to say, we won, is not accurate. It's not accurate. Because in reality, I'm just a fan of Kentucky basketball. It's the same principle when we talk about the gospel and following Jesus. Is we have a lot of folks, and maybe some of you in here, who are great admirers and fans. You can, you can talk about Jesus. You can tell us what miracles He did. You can tell us who His friends were. You can give us His stat sheet. You can tell us how old He was when He died. You can, you can tell us the different characters that came in and out of His life. You may, you may be able to quote Scripture, or you may be able to recite the, the books of the Bible. You may be able to do a lot of things with the information about Jesus. But unless you have committed your life to following the regimen of, of, of living, the, the, the devotion to following Him, the, 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 the devotion, the commitment to doing what He says, truly making Him your Lord and your Master, you cannot, you cannot say with any accuracy that you're a part of the victory. Because whenever Kentucky wins the trophy, it goes to Kentucky uh, in the athletic department. It doesn't come to my office or my home. And it's going to be the same way for a lot of folks who stand before Christ in judgment. And they're going to say, but we cheered. And and we stood up and we shouted and we we did all these things and we knew all these things. and, And we were all these things. And he's going to say, but you never knew me. And so the prize will not go to them. The prize will not be theirs. Because they'll be found out to just be fans, just be admirers. That whenever, whenever they, they realize that, that their commitment was shallow, it was allowed to be shallow because they didn't follow Christ, therefore persecution never came. We should rejoice whenever trials come upon us as followers of Christ because we know that that is a part of the the testing of our faith. That you should examine yourselves, as Hebrews says, against the Scriptures. That you should test yourselves to see if you are in fact in the faith. What that means is that as we look at our lives, 
Are you facing persecution? Are you facing difficulties? Are you struggling to follow Jesus? Because Jesus said it's going to be a struggle. But you depend on yourself and you'll fail. You depend on Him and He'll give you what you need. His grace is sufficient. So so the writer of Hebrews says, test yourselves. Test yourselves. Look at 2 Timothy 3.12 and test yourselves. Are you living in the faith? Are you trying to live a godly life? And if you are, and if you're doing it, if you're doing it right by depending on Christ and, and following the instructions of Christ in, in His Word, then you're going to experience these persecutions. It just will happen. <coughs> it just will happen. So we had purity, we had power, and we had persecution. And we're building up to something here. We're building up from purity, dealing with sin, getting right with God, repenting of our sins, holding one another accountable in love, not being, judge, not being judgmental, but certainly judging the actions of folks as either godly or ungodly, not judging their, their eternity, but judging their actions. As believers, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, that's what we're supposed to be doing. What business do we have judging the outside world? No, don't you judge the church? Don't you look at your, your own actions and determine whether they're, they're fitting for a Christian? And don't you hold one another accountable to those things? So we have purity as, as the church of Jesus Christ. We have power as the church of Jesus Christ. We move forward boldly, not worrying about what the world thinks or what the world uh, believes about us, if it's true or not. We just move forward in the gospel, knowing what our mission is, is to go and to make disciples and to be His witnesses in, in the whole world. I mean, I could not be more thrilled that we have students going to Guatemala. We have a student going to Uganda. Correct, I got it right. She's going to Uganda. I mean, we have students participating in Iowa. We have students participating in these missions that, are, that they're following Jesus to, to do exactly what He said to do. But they don't do it in their own power. Because if you think you're just going to get on a plane and you're going to go over there and you may get over there and you may get back, I'm not saying that, that that's not going to happen, but I'm telling you, if you don't go, depending on the power of the Holy Spirit to make you fruitful in your mission, it's going to be for nothing. You'll just have a nice vacation at best. But if you want to go and you want to make a difference for the gospel, you're going to have to submit completely yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit and say, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Let's get at it. And give me the boldness that I need. And when the church does that, when the church realizes that its calling, okay, its calling is to, to go into the world and to be pure and to operate in the power. And what we'll see is that, that persecution will come, but everywhere there's persecution, there's progress. That's the fourth point. I told you I'd get there. Everywhere there is persecution, there's progress. And this is what it says. We see there that many signs and wonders in Acts 5, starting in verse 12, many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. By common consent, they would all meet in Solomon's colonnade. None of the rest dared to join them. There's all the purity. But none of the, the rest uh, dared to join them, but the people praised them highly. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, crowds of both men and women. So this is what's happened. They've been arrested. They've been warned. Don't preach in the name of Jesus. They've been persecuted. 
They've been shaken up. It's about to get worse in the chapters to come. They're pure. They're, they're, they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They're being persecuted, but they're sticking to the mission. And as a result, believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers. They stopped counting them. They couldn't count them anymore. Increasing numbers meant that there was a certain number this day, and then there was even more the next day, and there was even more the next day, and there was even more the next day. Because the pure power of the persecuted church will bring forth progress in the world for the gospel. It will bring forth progress. This whole gospel is about salvation. It's about God redeeming the world back to Himself. And the progress is measured in this way. Are people being added and are people being discipled? Are people being saved by the grace of Jesus? And are they growing in the grace of Jesus? That's how we measure this. I've been in ministries to where in a year's time I baptized 30 people. I'd say that was progress. I've been in ministries to where we didn't hardly baptize but maybe one or two in a year and a half, but people grew. I'd say that's progress. Here, in the two years that we've been here, I think our numbers have actually gone down. But we've had baptisms in this ministry. I'd say that's progress. I know that, that many of you are growing in your faith. I'd say that's progress. I don't think that that's my fault. I don't think that I've really done anything wonderful. I'll tell you, my, my ministry scheme is probably as far off from, from you know, perfect as, as you can possibly get. You know, my philosophies or whatever are probably broken, but the fact of the matter is, is that we preach the Word of God. We study the Word of God. And the Word of God does not return void. And I believe that, that, that the progress is found in you guys. I believe that the progress is found in, in you going on missions. You stepping up and wanting to preach. That, that you want to be a part of, of praise bands. And you want to step up into leadership positions. And, you, and you're there for each other. You're loving one another. That's progress. But it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come cheap, guys. The more progress we make, the more persecution there's going to be. Persecution to be divided against one another. Persecution to um, hold resentments towards me or towards your peers or towards your Sunday school teachers. Persecutions are going to come. And you don't, you don't have to like and be... Absolutely BFFs with everybody in this church or everybody in this ministry. But I'll tell you, we've got to, above all else, maintain our purity. We've got to, above all else, maintain our purity. We've got to love one another enough as a ministry, as a church, to love each other in purity. To speak the truth in love. We've got to. You've got to do that for me. You've got to do that for me. You can reach me in about eight different ways. And it, you can reach me in, in, in several different ways in love. 
I can reach you in several different ways and loves, by you know, ways of communication, but we've got to do that. We've got to know that that it is bigger than our own opinions, it's bigger than our own desires. It's 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 about it's about following the gospel, moving forward into this world, into this into this city that we're in, into this state and country and, and planet that we live on for the gospel, and that when we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit, persecution will come, but we have got to stick together as a church, as a ministry, when persecution comes, because it's going to bring progress. God's going to bless it. And God's going to, I believe God's going to bless um, Rachel. If she goes to Uganda, she's going to come back. She's going to be a different, she's going to be a different young lady. She's going to have a new perspective on the world. And I just can't wait. I'm, I'm trying not, not to put too much on your shoulders here, but I can't wait when she gets back. I could not be more proud of her. You know, the, the, the rinks and, and BJ and Ben and, and, and uh, the others, there's plenty of others, Stephanie and Sean and, and, and Matt and Sarah and all these other young people that are a part of our ministry and they're going to Guatemala. They're going to come back. They're going to be changed. And, and I, I just, I'm so excited about what God, what God is going to do this summer. I really feel like something is going to happen. We don't have this many people involved in missions this summer if God doesn't have something in mind. I just I, I choose I choose to believe that God is going to bless us, bless this church, and bless this ministry with something amazing. And, and it's 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 going to be on the internet, so you can come back and you can you can fact check me on it in about six months. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I'm not saying when it's going to. I just believe that that God is at work in this in this ministry. God is at work in this church. And I believe that there, we're, we're, we're going to go into a season of progress very soon. I hope so. I pray for it. I love you guys. I want you to know that I'm always here for you. If, uh, if you want to talk to me after uh, we, we pray and we close here, please do that. If you have questions about salvation, if you have questions about this, the power of the Holy Spirit and and Jesus as the Lord and the Messiah and the difference between following and being a fan. If you have any of those questions about, about any of these salvation issues, please don't leave here tonight without talking to me and letting me pray for you. And letting me counsel with you. I may not be able to answer all your questions, but I can sure pray with you and love you and, and point you in the direction with some scripture. So I want to pray. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm, I'm around, I'm here. So find me if you need me, okay?